3: From the Apostrophe Podcast Network. Hey, listeners. A quick heads up that today's episode has some sassy language in the form of a couple of F bombs.
1: They all come from the unknown north. Talent, drive, and a pride worth paying for. But just because they're above the 49th parallel. Mean we shouldn't celebrate them just as well. So give it up for these Canucks because our self-promotion sucks. And if they all went away, you we sure would not miss them. not go, the Canadian star system. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Canadian Star System, a podcast galaxy where we meet Canadian stars at the top of their game, who shine the spotlight on other Canadians we should all know more about, who are at the top of their game, all in the name of making everyone worship Canadian talent, or at least have more Canadians realize what they've got before it goes south. I'm your host, Steve Patterson, and if you were to say, what are the odds to me, I would answer... The Odds are a great band from Vancouver. You should all listen to all their music. With me, as always, is my producer, who is also my co-host and who went on vacation recently. And for all I know, she is still there because we do this virtually. Diana Francis. Diana? Hello, Steve
3: Patterson. I am still on vacation. I am at a cottage by a lake with spotty Wi-Fi and lawnmower that could start up outside at any time. So if things sound weird, that's why.
1: Right. And bunk beds in the background, which is <laughs> yeah, nice. You yeah. can have many people sleep there.
3: I sleep on the lower left. I'm having a great time.
1: <laughs> we should have our retreat there if we if this podcast gets to the point where we can retreat. We will retreat somewhere like that. Yeah.
3: Yeah. This is a great place to run out the zombie apocalypse if it ever happens.
1: Listen, our guest is, is very busy. Our first guest today. She may actually be filming a show while we're talking. So I don't want to delay things any longer than we need to. But uh, let me just ask you this. As someone who's been in Canadian comedy for a long time, been in the Canadian TV game for a while now, here's a chance for you to pitch. If there were a sitcom based on your life, what would it be about and what would you call it? Go.
3: Weirdly, I have a sitcom based on my life. I just haven't sold it to a broadcaster yet, but I'm in the process of trying to do that. It would be called Given Up and it would be all about my gong show life with adoption, being adopted and having a kid and giving him up for adoption and finding everybody.
1: That's my pitch. See, that's a fully formed pitch. (laughs) One of these days, we're going to get a network exec on here and actually do what this show is meant to do, which is develop an idea from scratch. And what about you, Steve? What would yours be? You know, it's a coincidence that we'll talk about soon with our guest, but my book, Dad Up, is being optioned for movie Mm. uh, TV rights, probably not movie rights. And it's going to be about dadding. And it would be basically the story of my life, which is essentially trying to escape my house. (laughs) So I think it might be called Dad in Lockup because- Literally every time I get out of my house before someone else in the house wakes up, person or dog, I feel like I've escaped Shawshank. And I think that would be most scenes. I haven't flushed it out yet. (laughs) As opposed to our shows that don't actually exist yet, our guest today has a sitcom that not only exists, but is a bonafide hit on CTV in Canada and internationally. She is a multiple Juno award-winning musician. As a matter of fact, she's in the Juno Hall of Fame already as of this year. She also happens to be a best-selling author with five books under her belt. She may have once asked, could I be your girl? But she is not your little girl anymore. She's traveled a million miles away, but is firmly grounded in Canada because as countries go, it's a pretty good mother. She is the star of the aptly named Jan. It's Jan Arden. Wow. Hi, yeah. Jan Arden. That was, I'm going to replace my
4: Wikipedia like thing with. <laughs> what you just said it just seems so seems so awesome like i i, Jeez, I seem I awesome can... i maybe i should just say my goodbyes now because i seem <laughs> i seem great on paper <laughs>
1: <laughs> let's get right into it you're in an incredible place in your career i would say i don't recall ever before a canadian having a hit sitcom on television a best-selling book out there on the lists right now and just inducted into the Music Hall of Fame. All of that said, don't you think that's being, wait for it, insensitive Mm. to others who don't even have success in the one category? Well,
4: (laughs) I think, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. I'll be 60 years old in March. So I think it's just a matter of, like, I've been doing this for 45 years. Certainly, I started writing music when I was 12. And I don't even think you have to be really good at something. (laughs) I think you just have to have time go by and I think persistence, (laughs) persistence is everything in the entertainment business because talent is an obsolete subjective thing. I had a guy skateboard past me once years ago and he said, are you that chick that does that song? (laughs) And I'm like, oh, this is going to go well. And I said, yes. And he says, well, I hate your music, but I like you. And, (laughs) but I, It resonated with me. I really like having a purposeful life. I'm not really great at anything that I do. I'm just very persistent. I'm determined. Like no means nothing to me. It just doesn't, I'm not offended uh, by anyone that doesn't want anything to do with me. And I'm certainly not deterred by failure. And I think if you can just not be bothered by not getting it right, you're going to get to where you're going. I fail much more than I succeed.
1: Well, that does make me feel like there's still hope for me. Indeed. I, think, I think you're being very modest because you are a person that's just, I don't want to use the term Canada's sweetheart, but I feel it that everyone I talk to when I mention your name, which I do a, a weird <laughs> amount, is oh, immediately... I love her. I've never heard anyone when I say Jan Arden go, "Yeah, not my not my cup of tea." Unless you're a guy skateboarding by. That's the only one. I yeah, mean, but you know what? That's not your fault. You've just got something that is so effortlessly likable that I don't think can be taught or manufactured or learned. You're very that, kind.
4: Um, you you really are very kind. I could have used you in high school. <laughs> I really could have used Jen: in high school.
3: I wish school. I could have been there. I love the fact too, Jen, that you're you're very likable, but you also have a bit of an edge, and you don't have a problem telling people to go fuck themselves if they need to. Yeah. <laughs> I follow you on Twitter, and I see a couple of oh, well, Jesus, Diana. I see a couple of eh, go fuck yourselves. I've <laughs> said very
4: inappropriate things on Twitter, and I often, you know, get into a bit of a bit of hot water with people. I've certainly made a few mistakes on social media as I've trudged along. There's tweets I really wish I could go in and find and remove. But for the most part, I try and pick battles that I really do believe in. I don't like confrontation. I never have. And I'm a bit of a peacekeeper. I always try and find a way to to solve problems. But I also have learned as I've gotten older, I walk away from things that aren't good for my life, whether it's people or alcohol or, or situations or jobs. I say no a lot more than I say yes these days, and I don't feel the need to have to prove myself, which is a great place to get to in your life. I don't feel like I have to walk into a room and prove to them that I'm worthy of working with that ship has sailed. I don't do that anymore. If you don't want what I'm selling, your loss, and I truly believe that, and they know it when I step into a room. That honestly comes with time as well. And I think it drives people crazy. It's just like, wait a minute, is she just just leaving?
1: Good for you. Is she
4: walking out?
1: I really do think this is an important thing to talk about on a Canadian-themed podcast because we have this notorious uh, stereotype for being polite, for apologizing all the time. And this is all going to segue back. Our inaugural guest is either your BFF or your worst nemesis, Rick Mercer, was our first guest on this podcast. not
4: familiar with him.
1: <laughs> I heard him say at a Canadian Screen Awards when he was accepting one of his many for his show, we are unapologetically Canadian. What we have on our show matters to Canada, and it might not matter anywhere mm-hmm. else, but we don't care. That's what we're going to talk about. The term unapologetically Canadian was a funny oxymoron to me. Now- all of a sudden you would appear on his show several times. I went back and watched several of the segments and you've certainly moved on, I guess, if you don't feel you have to prove anything because Rick <laughs> would just make you do the weirdest I'm things. I'm glad he like retired. Rock climbing, luge.
4: Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad he retired. Honestly, it was <laughs> there's just things that I would never do in a million years. And Rick will tell you. He said, Jan, there's, I would never have done any of that stuff unless there was a camera in my face. So he is unapologetically... One of those guys that loves to entertain, he lives to, you know, be up in front of people and make them laugh and get their attention. And one thing I'll say about him, anywhere I went with with Rick, you know, he caused a commotion in and of just being, being there. Oh, my God. He had so many people coming up to him. He was always kind. He always signed their stuff. He always took a picture. I never once in the 20 years, 15 years that we did stuff together, ever see him ever speak unkindly to someone that said everything I needed to know about his character. And that was from the first day to the last day. And that's why I admire him because he's a good person and fame has teeth and fame ruins so many lives. And it takes people into this very dark place. There's nothing redeemable about fame if you're not a good hearted person. And Rick to me is quintessentially Canadian because the fact that he's earnest, he's vulnerable, he's real and i'm very proud of him. i'm proud to call him my friend and i'm always proud how he conducts himself and that means everything to me.
1: so beautifully said. my idea for you to roast rick really went sideways there quickly. yeah, i, mean, I, I don't i can't a, i was looking for you to say something bad I can't. and we just couldn't find I <laughs>
4: can't do it. he's he's incredibly clever. you know, he's another guy that takes on things that he feels that he's not particularly good at. I mean, we've talked a lot about writing him and I, Oh, I'm just starting a new book. And I was fortunate enough to read his latest effort that's not out yet, but, and, you know, write a little blurb for it, but, oh my God, I'm always so sorry when they're over. I just laughed my head off and, and he, it just sounds like him when he writes. He's not trying to be somebody else.
1: He really is the quintessential Canadian. And we're getting, you know what? I, I got to stop you because this is about you, not him. We have oh. limited time. We already covered Rick. That oh, was episode one. Sorry. I mean, we'll do this. We'll do this in the tribute when we give him a second order. Well, Canada, screw
4: but him. And, yeah, let's move yeah. on.
1: What's he done lately? What's he done lately? And he's let himself. His hair's
4: gray now. I don't even <laughs> yes. know what's happening to him. He needs an image <laughs> consultant. Anyway, let's move on.
1: Can we jump right to the show, yes. Jan? Because I know that that's what's The next thing that's coming up for you until live touring gets back out there. I've gone down to Jan Wormhole and watched almost every episode now. And I think it's hilarious. I think it's a show that's unapologetic. It's got got heart, but it's got teeth and an edge to it. You know, you say that it's not completely autobiographical, even though it is your name and it's yeah. clearly based in Calgary. You're not apologetic about that, but I love that you can get other stars involved with cameos like uh, uh, Feist. and
0: Katie Oh my Lane. God. I
4: just, I, I just phone people. <laughs> I don't think I've ever used a producer to get any guest on our show. I literally will contact them. I'll DM them on Instagram. Alicia Cuthbert, for instance, we'd been Instagram friends and I just sent her a message. I said, is there any way in hell you'd do the show? Oh my God. Yes. So. Same, you know, with Katie, same with Michael Buble, anyone that's been, you know, Leslie Feist, I was just like, will you come and do the show? Her mom's here in Calgary. was like, can I bring my mom? I'm like, of course you can bring your mom, but I'm not paying her. I'm not giving her a dollar.
1: It's so hilarious. When the people see the episode with Feist, It's she's, of course, playing the exact opposite character to that lovable, easy to get along with person.
4: Yeah, but she wanted that. You know, whenever people come yeah. on, I'm like, what do you want to do? and like Michael gave me a whole storyline which I can't speak to but I told him we'll we'll write to whatever you want to do so yeah it's been such a great surprise at this point in my life to do scripted comedy I'm not really an actor but you know you can learn new things I work with a guy with my lines you know learning 15 pages of script every day is not for the faint of heart and that's all I do for six or seven weeks is learn lines. And I feel crazy. I feel agitated. I'm scared out of my mind, but it works out. That was the hard part for me was just committing stuff to memory. I use a teleprompter. I write my own songs. I don't know them. <laughs> I have to look at the words by my feet and go, oh, my God, insensitive. I knew it was something like that.
1: <laughs> it comes across so naturally. Oh, I mean, you—you, you, I don't know if anyone's told you, but you play a hell of a Jan artist. It <laughs> well, really, it's not a stretch. I, I believe it.
4: <laughs> it's a weird version of myself, but it's very fictional. And people, I think constantly or like, is that your house? Is that, it's nothing is real. <laughs> it's not my house. It's not where I live. I don't have a sister. I rarely date, you know, I did in high school, but you know, all of this stuff is fictional.
1: But Jan, we don't have to let them that far behind <laughs> the curtain. I mean, I think we could let them go in with eyes wide open of like, this is Canadian entertainment because there are elements that are, as someone involved in it, there are cringe scenes that are so bang on to me, that people will think you're making it up, but it's absolutely based on real life scenarios. I do want to go back quickly to the point where you said producers are not important. Diana, did, did you hear that? Diana? No, you said producers are, are yeah, redundant. I, I said I never used it to.
4: for producer to get a guest star. You know, I just phone people. You're probably not supposed to do that, Diana, but I just... Yeah.
3: Well, hilariously, your producer, who I know in Vancouver, was the one who contacted me about uh, getting you on the show, which was great. And now I'm going to use you to get Michael Buble, just so you know. Yeah. Just so you yeah. know. No, just yes. That's how we, it works. We just
4: have to... It's like a big, giant game of leapfrog, and that, and that's what you have to do. I mean, it is true. Everybody knows everybody in this country. It's a very small industry. So if you're not a great person, it does come back to bite you in in the, in the ass. You know, I'll give you a perfect example of the Canadian music industry. In 1996, I hosted the Juno Awards. In 2016, I hosted them again. The same woman, Anne, who walked me onto stage in 1996 and kind of pushed me from the center of my back, okay, go, was the same woman that did it for me. 20 years later, 20
1: years later. So,
4: you know, imagine if I'd been, had some kind of weird interaction with her and not been great and kind of been a dick. And here she is 20 years later, that's the industry. And that happens time and time and time again, which is why sometimes the narrative gets a bit tired when you're going to pitch shows and you feel like you're standing in front of the same group of people again, that turned you down a week ago. It doesn't matter. It's all about persistence and it's all about the idea. You know, a great idea is a great idea is a great idea. And you will get to where you're going if you absolutely just keep tweaking it and keep modifying what you're doing. You have to find a partner that will work with you, but you also have to make them feel like they have a dog in the hunt. And that they have a part of this. I do it constantly with this show. And it is maddening. It's very difficult. It's difficult, you know, trying to modify these scripts all the time. Jenica Harper and Leah Gauchier, my co-creators, you know, they're wizards at somehow changing things, but not really changing them to make people happy. And that's what you have to do. I've had to do it in music hmm. my whole life. Well, can that be there? Can the bridge be longer? Can it be in a different key? Uh, you know, can you, you just have to do it.
1: What is it like, I did not realize until uh, I dove in for the research of this, that you are not only, uh, obviously multiple Juno award winner, you're in the Juno Hall of Fame now. Does that seem- Very weird. Does that seem strange to you just because you're still very much making music? Sometimes this the Hall of Fame things are like, you know, as a retrospective almost. You're very much in the- Yeah, knack.
4: I don't even know how that goes. I'm very humbled and really, I really am. I cried when I found out. It's, my life was very bookended. The same kid, Alan Reed, who is now you know my age basically, he signed me when he was twenty six years old. He wanted to sign a grunge band,
3: <laughs> and
4: you know here is this almost thirty year old singer songwriter, and he he signed me. He took a leap of faith, and you know fast forward, he's he's sitting. I have a little place in Toronto because I'm there so much working, and he's in my living room, telling me because he is the head of the Junos now that they're inducting me into the Canadian Music Hall of Fame. I just couldn't even get my head around it. I think it is, I like it because it's not about, and the best of goes to, and then this, it is about spending your time. It's about just being dedicated to what you're doing and, and staying the course. I always tell that to young musicians. Listen, if you're going to quit, then that's it. There's that's the end of the story. But if you're, willing to play the shitty places and to be disappointed most of the time Mm -hmm. and just to keep going, time adds up and you get to where you're going. I'm grateful for that because it's It's about still being alive. I managed to stay alive. That's why I got (laughs) it.
1: (laughs) I don't think we've ever had as much wisdom conveyed, in all honesty, on an episode of this show. Everything you're saying makes Wise sense. Have you ever been compared to a Canadian Yoda? Oh, countless times.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I just, I've enjoyed myself. I went into the arts because I wanted to do something that I really liked. And I've always liked it. I mean, I wanted to be a school teacher. I never had any aspirations to go into music at all, but I wrote all these songs in my parents' basement. And then I just thought, how can I make some pocket money? So I ended up you know, in bar bands, and, and I usually owed the bar more money than I made because I drank so much. That's the Blues
1: Brothers <laughs> touring model, yeah.
4: Yeah, before you leave, you owe us $60. I'm like, oh, fuck, God, what did I do? <laughs> I've enjoyed it. I've met great people. Some people have worked with me for almost 30 years. We have a great time. I have great met great musicians. I've traveled all over the world, and music is a magical thing that's – it's just shaped my life and i couldn't have imagined it it continues to shape my life and it's an important part of our humanity i don't know what it is about music that just touches us on a level that we can't describe or understand it's attached to every memory we have it it's a celebration it's a it's a place of solace it just it's a salve for the soul it's a very old thing isn't it I'm here because of it. Everything that I'm doing is because
3: I made up songs. I don't even read music. (laughs) You're right. It's incredible how music touches us like that. I can't make music. I'm good at other things, but I'm an appreciator of music. But I remember once dating a guy who said, I don't like music. And that was the biggest red flag I've ever had. Well, your penis will not be going
4: near my vagina.
1: (laughs) You see, this is the show of sound bites. I've said that before.
3: So just pack up your underpants and please leave.
1: And turn the stereo up on your way out. Let's switch gears from a very light note to a heavier note, because one of the causes that you are very passionate about and have been for a while, and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention it, is the Canadian Horse Defense Coalition. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? It's the
4: export of large draft horses from Canada to Japan. They're purpose bred. So imagine the Budweiser horses and imagine 800 of them in a feedlot with shit up to their elbows. They've been quietly doing it since 2006. It's just a crazy loophole. They started out by FedExing them, if you can fucking believe that. They use them for raw basheen, which is like a raw slice of large horse meat on a piece of rice. I don't know. And it's not about what people eat, but it's about how you get them there. Huge breaking story for you. Yesterday, I spent the morning crying my head off because the Liberal Party announced their entire re-election platform yesterday. They put the whole thing out. They didn't. They're not doing it in segments. They put it out there. One of the things in black and white letters we will ban the live export of horses to japan wow Wow. i looked at it and i looked at it so they've been hearing our messaging i have been relentless with the the coalition i've had so many people that have been with me on the horseshit campaign it's a very sinister part of canadian agriculture it's as simple as that and i won't go on and on about it but You know, this country was built on the back of a horse. They've done our work for us. They fought in World Wars. And it's not about you eat what you want. If you're going to eat horse, that's fine. And I'm not even going after domestic slaughter. We aren't. It happens. It's a very complicated system. Animal husbandry in this country needs to be sorely looked at and changed. But having said that, this is a very small sliver. It doesn't feed thousands of Canadians. This lines the pockets of five guys that have been getting away with it forever. It's about 25 million bucks they make every year. And you can't fly fucking horses packed four at a time in a wooden crate on a two-day journey, shitting on each other, no food, no water, no headroom. It's not right. So it's an easy, easy hill for me to die on. And I will not ever stop. If there's anything useful about being a famous person, It is taking a light and shining it on things that are wrong. I would much rather be known when I kick my clogs as somebody who changed this little part of Canadian agriculture than a good singer or a fucking actor, dancer, juggler, whatever. I don't care about that stuff. I do care about other living things. And I will spend the rest of my life doing something for other living fellow travelers on this planet. We need to get our shit together. Good night. I'm
1: Lloyd Robertson. <laughs> <laughs> a, my God, what a perfectly self-contained answer that was. And congratulations because of all the work you've done getting that into the campaign platform. It's on I the know table. Not, no,
4: it's, but it's on the table. On the table. They, they, they yeah. hear us and it's out there. So it is yeah. really exciting. I'm, I'm so excited.
1: Well, thank you for bringing that to the attention. And please, everyone, go do your research. It's pretty easy to go online. It's horseshit.ca. horseshit.ca.
3: horseshit.ca. Is, that,
1: is that really what yeah. it is? Horseshit.ca. Yes. horseshit.ca. It. C-A.
3: <laughs> we'll be right back after the break.
1: Hey, listener, are you a struggling artist trying to make a living? Yes, yes, I am. Oh, sorry, Diane, I, I forgot you were you were recording this ad, too. No, all good. Carry on. Okay, if you're a struggling artist who is trying to make a living, then perhaps you've been inspired by today's guest, Jan Arden, and her foolproof method for success that she calls staying alive. Uh, Steve, I think her advice was more
3: about being persistent, staying the course, and if you treat people kindly in time, you'll get to where you're going
1: creatively. That's exactly, uh, staying alive. But if that seems too difficult for you... Just try my new Steve Patterson-approved method for success called Just Don't Die. That's the same thing, just worded slightly different. For copyright reasons, yes, Diana. With the Steve Patterson Just Don't Die method of success, you'll find the path to creative accomplishment is quick and simple. If you're still breathing, you win. Pretty low bar, buddy. That's the first step of my program. Keep the bar low and your expectations lower, and instead of being disappointed in where your career takes you, you'll always be pleasantly surprised. So,
3: non-ambitious optimism? Interesting. What's step two? Step two is supporting your local economy. Oh, that's actually more admirable than I thought it was going to be. By going to your local bar to drink away your creative disappointments. There it is. Okay, but Jan says she hasn't had a drink in many years. Jan has a show, Diana. Her own show. Yeah, so do we. We're in the middle of an episode of it right now.
1: Just Don't Die, the Steve Patterson-approved two-step process for artistic success. Ugh, now I really do need a drink. You see, it's working already!
3: And now back to the show.
1: We're going to lighten it up a little bit because we've got to get to our uh, guest that you're bringing on today. Woo! We call this little feature "Quick Questions."
0: Quick questions.
1: What they are are questions that are quick. Oh. We didn't take a long time to come up okay. with the, with the name. Of all the activities that that mean man Rick Mercer made you do, basically for the amusement of all Canadians, which one did you actually least enjoy? The do you CN remember? Tower.
4: I don't have to think about it. Walking around the CN Tower in a red suit, hooked onto a harness on the outside of the building. The building was moving. I felt sick. I was hungover. (laughs) I I just, uh, I just, I was always drunk. So, I mean, the likelihood of me being hungover was very, very high.
1: Literally in this. Yeah, it was terrible.
4: It was terrible. And I felt uneasy for two weeks.
1: Oof. Okay, I want to take CN Tower off of our list of potential sponsors. Don't do it. Thank you.
4: They sold out after we did that show. They sold out. The, there was people oh, the volunteering. Lock. to. Never mind that. They paid to go do it.
1: Oh, yeah. No, they make big money out of oh. that. I've done that myself, and it goes against everything your it's brain not right. has in it. It's not
4: right. No. But okay. but go ahead. Go for it if you want to Let's do it. Let's
1: highlight your, uh, your hometown that you're very proud of and highlight in your show, and whenever you can, Calgary. Give us your favorite restaurant in Calgary, would you? There's a couple. Uno on 17th Avenue, pizza, salads. Okay.
4: Coop. It's a kind of a vegan place that is fantastic. C O O P. It's also on 17th Avenue, and a new one that just opened that is just so freaking great. It's called Vegan Street, and it is so good. They have like all this really fun diner type food that we all. You know, shouldn't be eating, but we do because why not? The world is going to end and I'm going to, I'm going to die with french fries in my mouth. when everything blows up i'm gonna stuff as much shit in my (laughs) mouth as i can there'll be chips there's gonna be like a diet coke part of a slurpee (laughs) poutine with vegan cheese and there's just gonna be things going in and then i will i won't even be able to breathe out it'll just i'll just be gagging and i'll be gone and what a joy what a pleasure that's gonna be
1: Sound bite number one thousand seven hundred and thirty eight <laughs> of this episode. Oh my god, I'm going to die with French fries in my mouth. You probably answered this question a thousand times, or, or you've never answered it because you didn't want to. But I'm just going to try to slip it in. Who was the song insensitive about? I didn't write it. I didn't write it. It was no, no. It was written
4: by a woman named Anne Laurie A N N E L O R E E. She's a Calgarian. I saw her, I, for one thing, I heard her singing it like in a basement suite a hundred years ago. But then I also saw her singing it at a little place called Marty's cafe. This was probably 33, 34, 35 years ago. It just stuck with me. It was really slow. And I just said, what do you do with your songs? Nothing. And I did a demo of it with my friend, Bob Foster. And we pitched it to Ann Murray and Wilson Phillips. And this was before I even had a record deal. And everyone turned it down. Right. And then I thought, on my wow. second record, I'm going to record this song because this is a hit song. And I wasn't wrong. Because massive, it massive was. Hit. It changed my life. It changed Ann's life. It just was, I left home in like 94, 1994. And I didn't go home for three years because of that song. Wow! So it only takes one. It only takes one song, and off you go. But uh, yeah, I didn't. I don't know who Anne wrote it
1: about. Do you picture anyone in your head when you sing it, or is there like a a random? Oh, it's not anyone.
4: I picture everyone. Everyone. (laughs) Yeah. No, that this song is going out to everyone.
1: To everybody, (laughs) everyone, stop being an our song. Okay, last quick question for you. If you start your own TV network, a la Oprah, which is is a possible thing now for you, Jan, who is the first Canadian other than yourself or Rick Mercer that you would give a show to on that? I'm going to say Rose Cousins. Interesting. Yeah. Rose Cousins. Why is that? Just because she's
4: absolutely hilarious. She's brilliantly talented. She's beautiful. She's clever. She could just slay her own show. I, I think it would be absolutely fantastic.
1: God, if only she were here to hear well, all this. Could you intr- could you introduce us to our second guest today, please?
4: What do you know? It's Rose Cousins. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, that is so perfect. There that is she the greatest is. Segue we have ever had. Hi, Rose. Hi. It is so nice to see you again. How was that for an introduction from Jan Arden? That's great. It's like better than the when someone goes on the internet and types in bio
2: and your name and then picks something from 2002 and reads that. the whole thing. Rose
4: has been my COVID strength, buddy, friend. It's like my diving partner. You know how you're never supposed to dive alone. You have to have a diving partner. Rose, is, I did not Rose has been my diving partner. So we do something called Voxer. It's an app. What it is, it's real time walkie talkies. Okay. And so you just speak in and you can either listen to the message in real time or you can it just you can just play it later. But I just got in bed every night and I just couldn't wait to listen to my voxers that were piled up of Rose going through her day, what she was doing, what was happening, what <laughs> and we've done it actually for probably the better part of a couple of years.
1: I did not know that. I did know that you two were such close friends friends and good buddies how, how did this start rose well jan was very persistent
2: a little bit stocky maybe <laughs> even on social media a few years back i'm gonna say <laughs> nine to ten years back and i was like you know is this a bot or is this like the real jan arden and and also maybe tone it down a bit <laughs> oh <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, I, I'm uh, like every Canadian, every smart Canadian. I'm, I've been a fan of Jan's stuff for a really long time. And she was hosting a show in the summer on CBC and, and Jan, you might tell the story better than me, but somehow came across my music because you were looking for people to play on your show.
4: I was looking for Canadian music.
2: Yeah. So I think I was oh, just lucky. Great. And
4: I heard like one song and I was just like, oh my God, this woman. I mean, Rose really is so unbelievably gifted. What I discovered about you, Rose, is that you're so extraordinarily funny, like just seeing your or and hearing your in between banter and just your sensitivity, but you can also be really funny and self deprecating and i just but your voice rose is is just it's just beyond belief when you start singing, I can't believe it and i very jealous, but what can you do? You're no slouch. You're no slouch, I, I, Jan I, I don't sing like Rose Cousins. I'm an okay Jay, I'm like, singer. If you,
2: my thought is that if you keep working at it, you'll get that. <laughs> no, <laughs> like, it you're not time. wrong. Give it you, time. You I, am an o,
4: I am an okay singer. Yes, I am not a, open yourself. <laughs> and so I played her music on a show, and I did. I, I did send some tweets out, and Rose was in town visiting her brother at some point. I'm sure she had work out here, but she's like, I can pop out to your place. I gave you directions. And you came out and we just, it was like, I'd known you forever. It's, I think groups of souls travel together. I really believe that. And I think you spend your lifetime on this planet, just trying to find some of the ones that you were soaring through the abyss with. And we just hit it off. We just were great friends. And I, I'm very grateful.
1: Rose, we talked about the Junos before, and i just found out myself that your, Bravado won the Juno Woo! for Contemporary Folk album. <laughs> you knew that, right? You knew you won the Juno. Yeah? I did. I
2: actually got it in the mail two days ago because it was trapped All at right. UPS. congratulations. You know, cool maritime yeah. story. It was trapped at UPS and I called UPS a bunch of times to talk to someone who, who knows where they are to UPS sending messages through. And in the end, one month later, a guy named Norman <laughs> just found my number <laughs> and called me and <laughs> was like. We have a package here for you, and I'm like, "Oh my god!" I literally have been in your warehouse parking lot three times, and he's like, "Well, it's right here." I know this is a really important package. He's like, "Here's my number, extension one, ask for Norman," and then I just did.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's merit. That it's is the maritime. I just yeah. love it. Yeah. So I well, I love it. It's extension thankful.
4: one. It's extension number one. <laughs> <laughs> it's extension
2: one.
1: <laughs> it's Norman. <laughs> number two is French, so there's just the one. Yeah. Now, last time we spoke, bravado, I believe, was just coming out, you were kind enough to do a, one of the songs from it. It was already being critically acclaimed. So obviously that's that's continued to go for you. It has to be frustrating having not been able to really tour behind it like you'd want to. Do you have a lot of tour dates lined up in the next year?
2: I mean, I've had a lot of tour dates lined up multiple times that keep trying right. I'm just managing yeah. my expectations. Like seemingly I'm going to be doing a rip through the Maritimes here. You know, we're in one of the safest parts of the country, but still we're all, I think, quite vulnerable. And I think people are still trying to figure out what the right, like how you make people who are coming into a building as safe as possible. So I'm just managing my expectations. I do really still want a to tour behind the record because I didn't really get to have that conversation that Jan knows what I'm talking about. It's like you make a record and then you get to have the conversation about it. And I thought there were some great conversations to have yes. about the topics on this record. And, and um, but I'm record. still really, really admittedly flattered by the support that I've gotten, you know, people buying merch or people interacting with the music and sharing it. And, and it's still being a thing. I think it proves that you can still put music out and people still need it. Like Jan already said, like it's part of people's lives. It's, it, you know, people are going to have, maybe it'll become a record of the pandemic. It'll be one of the things that marks this time as a,
1: hopefully a companion. There's a lot of solitary themes to bravado that you put out there. And I've described you before to you, but uh wasn't on this show, so I'll repeat it. It's haunting. It's haunting in a good way. You feel like it's a, a real nice ghost. Every time you hear <laughs> Rose Cousins sing one of these songs, it brings out good feelings, but it right. gets down in there. And there's always a little, there's a little tear with the smile. Yeah. I believe that you revel in that. It's a unique ability because you're so you're you're such a funny person and fun loving to talk to and then some of these songs you hear them and you're like, "Well, I'm going to have to cry with this laugh."
2: Yeah. Well, I think that it's just maybe my stuff is just actually quite balanced and you know, I do actually get compared to Jan because she sings really sad songs even though she does have some mm-hmm. up, nice upbeat hit numbers and then is funny in between and I think it's just like how to just cope with being alive and hmm. I've learned, I think it's actually, especially in this pandemic, like I'm not really good at having my like, like, I know I have feelings, but I'm not good at the action of having them. I'm okay, maybe brooding with them and putting them into song. And then until the song is done, I don't really know actually what my feelings are or how to speak about them. And the songs really help me do that. But living in them is very hard. Like being, this is a most Speaking of light shining on somebody, this is the most light I've had shining on me. And I'm not in the spotlight in any way. And I have felt more exposed to my own self and like, you know, what are the things that fill your time if your job doesn't fill your time in the way that (laughs) it was keeping me moving at like a million miles an hour. So it's been really interesting. And Hopefully we'll come up with some more feel good hits of the summer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Some accompanying visuals to keep you feeling your feelings. That's just, that's part of my, someone has to do it. (laughs) And I'm okay to sing about the things that people that are actually maybe more confusing to sing about. Maybe I'm not good at writing to date, happy songs. I've got like two and a half.
1: (laughs) Did you you abandon the third one halfway through? You're like, this is too much happiness for me.
2: Yes, you don't need a three full songs. You could just have two and a half happy ones. I just want to allude to happiness. Like it's there and it's fleeting. And so therefore it's fleeting within my catalog. It's fine.
3: Just take that third song, start it really sad. And then, you know, and then, and then surprise us with the
2: happy or vice versa. Yeah, probably. I don't know. I mean, I can't guarantee anything. I just, I know what my strengths are and I, I do. I'll, I'll try.
1: No, I I hope you're not taking this as please change what you do to make, (laughs) to make happier because it is a happiness. It's just a brooding. Your happiness is not my job. Listen, Rose, it sort of is.
2: You're an entertainer.
1: (laughs) I am. Would it kill you to do La Vida Loca cover? (laughs) Can you imagine? (laughs) Oh, well, I'll tell you why I can't imagine because, and I'll just say this here. I was going to say it at some point in the interview. For everyone out there listening to this, if you have not yet seen the video, of I Want to Dance with Somebody. Oh, God. The Whitney Houston song covered by Rose oh, right. Cousins, choreography by Rose Cousins, starring Rose Cousins and a dog. Mm-hmm. Then by God, get yourself to wherever you can see that video because it is the feel good. That truly is the feel good video of the summer.
2: Yeah, I thought it was like, and also well-timed, like, like an almost a year mark of when the pandemic started and people
1: were starting to go a little bit crazy. So I'm just like making a dance <laughs> video with my dog. I love it, but the... A it's a lot fine. of costume changes in it. It really was another uh, several other sides of Rose.
2: Yeah, and but they were not all my clothes. So I'm just like back to hoodie and relaxing pants. You know what I'm
1: saying? You do look relaxed. Now, on a serious note, let's talk about it's been over a year since we spoke. We didn't even know last time we spoke. We were in the tunnel. We didn't know how long the tunnel was or if there was a light at the end. No. We know there's a light at the end now. Do we? We feel like we're going... I, I think God it better be it better be because it's the point of, okay. it's the point of exhaustion and past that point I think for many people yeah what uh, devices have you used to cope with all this all this time and and what are you using now that I hope we can see the other side from where we are I know we're still in the woods but
2: well I counterintuitively used exercise off the top I'm sorry to hear that and then and then I got a dog. Yes, And so that a puppy, so that really occupied and was a learning experience. So that was a lot. Then I sold Mm -hmm. a house and got a new one and have been settling into that one for the last seven or eight months and learning what that's like to have a whole house and a full-grown dog who's getting neutered in a couple of days. That's going to be special. Sorry, buddy.
1: What's his name?
2: His name is Harrington. Harrington, yeah, he's
1: a schnoodle, schnauzer poodle,
2: very dignified. He's a very
1: dignified yeah. name.
2: So, and uh, I usually read all the time. I'm trying to, you know, learn as much as I can on the issues that are current, which were really ramping up last time we were talking. And, yes, yes, they were. Yeah, I think it's just it's like a it's like actually a completely different life and an interesting not disconnection but kind of disconnection from what was my mode and understood purpose and i think i can still feel the purpose but i can't quite do it the way that i that i might like to and and it is tougher to instigate connection over the internet and even though seemingly it's actually seemingly way easier hmm. i think it's been an interesting like time to kind of like reflect on what you know what's happening what are the elements of my life what are the things i'm that are now causing like fear, if anything, to, to get back to, you know, what is it? What do I want to keep? And what do I want to change based on what I was doing before and the speed I was going at before and like what things really matter? I think that's I, I definitely know I'm not alone in the reassessment, the forced reassessment that's been happening in the last couple of years. So I think I have in some moments, you know, been consistent with self care, and then just absolutely lost. And some of those things end up on the same day. I think I don't don't Hmm. have it figured out. I remain curious and cautious. And I, I really do look forward to the communion that is sharing music from a stage. And maybe some of that will happen this fall. And maybe it won't. And we'll have to wait. And I feel I just want to really make sure that people are safe. So I'm happy to wait so that we can be, and I have started writing again. And so I'm, you know, I'm curious, I'm, I'm happy with the things I've written so far and I'm curious about what else I've collected.
1: I, uh, yesterday had to cancel 14 live comedy dates that were supposed yeah. to happen later this year. So yeah. it made me feel like the beginning of a Rose Cousins song, but it didn't have that release at the end of it's going to yeah. be okay. You yeah. think that
2: my songs have an okay, it's going to be okay at the end?
1: I do, Which I one? do. Well, this, okay. <laughs> the, the, I think maybe it's, I go from the, the videos and the video for, and this is a song that I believe was about the pandemic was uh with the nurse, the, the nurse video. what I'm sorry, I can't remember the exact name of the track. Yeah, it's called The Return, Love Comes Back. The Return, thank you. See, Love Comes Back. I mean, right there in the title. It wasn't about the pandemic. It just
2: happened to work because it was released in January 2020.
1: <laughs> okay, it was right on theme. And for it was written was the summer before. So it's it, wow. it just
2: weirdly timed. As
1: a pre- so you're a you're a psychic. In I'm other a words. psychic, and, and then yes. I release
2: benefits of being alone. Right, bef- it's just no. It's mm-hmm. I got an inside scoop, <laughs> and I
1: ran with it. <laughs> well, thanks for not letting the cat out of the bag. It's been nice to go through all this. Well, you needed a change. <laughs> now, in the let, let's talk about the Maritimes a bit because yeah, that area did. Open up more than other areas in Canada. They had the uh, yeah. Atlantic bubble. That's right. I truthfully did go out. I have my brother lives in the Annapolis Valley. Yeah. I went out to Halifax, brought my family out, did the two week quarantine, yeah. was looking at houses and had one yeah. foot out the door here, one foot in the door there, because I do love it out there. Yeah. And then it, it didn't all quite come together in the end. While I was there, a promoter that I work with said, Do you want to do a show while you're out here? We're allowed to have up to 200 people. And <laughs> I said, okay, great. They said, who do you want on the show? I said, Rose Cousins. And in that time, there was a breakout of a few cases, and we had to cancel the show. And I, this is the point I'm getting to, is that live performance did come back uh, briefly, and it, it is out there in, in various forms now. Did you get a chance to do a live performance? What a long goddamn question that was.
2: Last September, the theaters in New Brunswick wanted to do something for their memberships, the subscription memberships. So I did a handful of very small, you know, masked shows for a few people at the main theaters in New Brunswick. And then I did a show in Picto, but that's pretty much it for live shows. And then I did in July, just now I did an outdoor show at a winery in Wolfville, the Lightfoot and Wolfville winery. Lovely. So I've done just like just a handful. I'm lucky that there have been some, some local things. And those are the next things that are on my plate. I'm not a hundred percent sure that they're going to happen. I hope they do. You know, it's, there's lots of logistics around it of like, am I going to be able to get my band here from Toronto and really do the thing that I wanted to do? But
1: the gigs you did were solo.
2: They were, I'm lucky that I'm able to, to like kind of do a show by myself and, right and be able to say yes. But you know, there's nothing like communing with on stage with, and you know, especially like these, my friends who I made the record with, we really, we had two incredible shows, one in Toronto, one in Ottawa, and I'm so glad we did, but it'd be great to make the music with people again.
1: Absolutely. And it's infectious, right, to the audience. You see that the time yeah. that, you, that you're having being back together and exactly. that vibe comes right through in the music. In the comedy world, a little strange, a little different because we're all on stage independently, obviously, mm-hmm. but it's that after show of the show that we don't get now. We just did a, a series of tapings in Vancouver. Yeah. Every comedian has to leave the moment they're finished their performance. So you're kind yeah. of walking out of the theater with this vibrating, energy yeah. that you've got and you don't know what to do with it. You, you can't go anywhere. somebody and you can't. You can't. You're not allowed. You can't. It's not quite back. Did you have anxiety at all in those little performance, in the performances you did for the small intimate groups that maybe wasn't there before just because it's been so long?
2: No, because the, like the number of people and the ways that they were set up were very conducive to... Like it made sense. Like everyone was spaced. There's a lot. There was a lot more space. Not as many people were able to come to the show. So it was. So it was very controlled. And the distance yeah. that I was from the crowd was was fine. It's more about. I really want to play for the full capacity of of, of the theaters here. And I'm just curious. You know what I mean? Like people have held on. Like to, to the, the Halifax show. People have held on to those tickets for almost two solid years wow and i just i'm i just want to play for those people and i and i just want everyone to be able to come so i'm not sure who's deciding capacities and stuff we're almost to the phase five they're calling it here We're, i think we're almost at 70 or 75 percent vaccination i think we're at maybe 70 and in order to you know really loosen things we have to be at about 75 i think
1: Yeah, These numbers, they don't tell the whole story. There's these little guideposts that we're supposed to be meeting, And then is everything suddenly okay? I I don't know. It's not.
2: No, I think it's just like, at some point, do we have to figure out how to live with this thing that exists? But I mean, obviously, I mean, our biggest concern should be kids right now, obviously. yes. You know, everyone returning to in-person school and, you know, I've got lots of friends who are parents and lots of friends who are teachers. The amount of adaptation that has had to happen. I just feel like I can wait if we need to wait to be safe. I'm okay to wait, you know, because the adaptation that I've had to do is is about an absence. It's not about, you know, contorting too much like lots
1: of other people have had to do. So people will be excited to get back whenever we get back. When we can get back. Yeah. And it's it's a very strange time. Now, let me ask you this. Have you been able to do because you've done you've always been great about doing collaborations with Artists like Jen Grant, Joel Plaskett, obviously, yes. uh, out in the Maritimes. And Ron Sexsmith, I believe. Did you could do some something with Ron as well?
2: Yeah. I mean, we've done live shows together, Ron and I. Ron right. and I actually did, the biggest thing we ever did was I was a guest to him on Canada Day with the Toronto Symphony Orchestra in Nathan wow. Phillips Square, I think in 2017, cool. maybe. And that was
1: really fun. And
2: we've played oh, at wow. a couple other shows together as well.
1: Yeah. Have you been able to collaborate with other musicians in a virtual way. And and how does that compare? Because I could tell you from a comedian experience, having done some comedy stuff online, we're, we're doing it because we need to, but it's a really different animal. The live audience is literally part of the- Oh my God, the, it's right? It's the instrument for a comedian. Oh yeah, so,
2: painful it would be so painful for- When you don't you. get a laugh, you a have
1: no idea how you're doing. Oh, but also if you do get a laugh, you have no idea what you're doing. It sort true. of balances out that way, but- even just little conversations not yeah. trying to create comedy just conversations with comedians has been yes. a salve for me getting through this what about oh, yeah. you as a musician
2: yeah totally i've done a few co-writing sessions like over zoom with people in various locations i did a co-write that ended up being a song that we put out well it's not it's a it's on youtube at this point with john paul white who opened my shows in toronto and ottawa he was supposed to come out here as well and open shows and he lives in florence alabama And so we wrote a song together and then recorded parts. And then I I mixed it in and edited a video together for it was an initiative from Folk Alliance International to kind of point light at a fund that was going to help kind of give grants to help musicians kind of keep going through this time. That was great. And it got picked up by Country Rolling Stone, which was great. And so there's been little bits of things like that, you know, like winning the Juno. I won a couple of East Coast Music Awards, that collaboration with John Paul White. Last year, I put a, there was a cover song that came out with Rhea May and Bria Isabel. There's been a few little bits of things, you know, like our last interview was great, like little things that kind of come up, the Juno songwriter circle. I feel so thankful to the people at the organizations and the people who are kind of still working to make content like high quality content and that think of me to participate in it and it's kind of just like enough to kind of stay a little bit active while kind of trying to figure out what the next move is or what for me, my relationship is with my job now and how to kind of move forward. Capitalize on the time that I have to myself to create and to make all these big changes in my personal life, which I've never, which I haven't had time to do in the last 15 years. And also work on my home studio and figure out how to use software. And I've done a lot of like vocals that swung vocals to different people. People are asking me to sing on things. And so I I do it and I send it. So there's been lots of, there has been lots of stuff like that, which I've been grateful for.
1: I like to hear that you're still in that mode because it's going to be a weird transition period that, you know, there's going to be people that have not done that. I know there's people in the comedy world that might not come, come back to comedy after this. It's just been a a strange time.
2: Oh, totally. I mean, it's, it's a real question. of just like, what was I doing? Why was I moving that fast? What was the goal? What, what is it that Do I miss it? What do I miss about it? What is the thing about it that is the thing that I love? And like, for me, it's the communion. It's the instigation of connection, the ones that you can feel happening and the ones that you'll never know happened and creating a memorable moment and talking about real feelings and singing about them and laughing in between.
1: And dancing with your dog.
2: And dancing with my dog, which actually, the dog has been on stage with me at all the shows that I've done. <laughs> I love it. I
1: yeah. love it.
3: Makes everything yeah. more of a tax write-off. As yeah, perfect. that's right. I should Every dog write off, bill. Oh my God. Usually, I should write off the vet bills and Absolutely. the like, dog food. Thank you so oh, yeah. much for that. Oh my God. Yeah. You're right. Certainly You're when he gets tool. his nails that's done. That's why I, I write my dog into everything uh, well I do. Done. I write my dog into everything I do for that very there purpose. So smart.
1: Oh, yeah, she is. She has her moments, Diana (laughs) does. Rose, it's been such a pleasure speaking with you again. And let me ask you, where can people get their fix of Rose Cousins until the live shows are opened up again? Other than obviously everyone in Canada should go buy Bravado. It's the Juno Award winning album, for God's sakes, as well as all other Rose Cousins music. Where else can they find you out there these days?
2: I mean, the best place if you want to support me directly is the store on my website, just Bandcamp, and that money goes to, goes to me. I've got lots of fun merch there. Love and if you can, be patient along with me and, and hopefully come and, and see me live. I'm just grateful to kind of be a part of the soundtrack. And I myself am actually really excited to see, to see live music again. And, and music has really helped me get through this last year, too.
1: Amen to that. We can't wait to see you live wherever it is. Next time I'm in Halifax, I will drop by with a housewarming plant. I will not know what kind it is. You can tell yeah.
2: me. I have enough succulents, so don't bring me <laughs> a succulent. Succulents!
1: I don't even know what it is, but I will definitely try to avoid that. We just have two quick questions for you before we go, if you don't okay. mind. And it's just okay. a complete the sentence type of situation. Okay. The Canadian star system is... For sure legitimate. For sure legitimate. And the sarcastic tone is important in that. <laughs> Being next door to the United States is like... It's like... Wondering if you should change your pants
2: <laughs>
3: because they are wearing fancy no, pants. they are our pants, and
2: they're Canada's pants. <laughs> oh, they are. Our...
3: I, see. I see.
1: I didn't even need more context, that makes far more sense than what yeah, I was of course picturing. It was. I'm sorry, Diana's mind always goes there. <laughs> Thank you so much, Rose Cousins and Jan Arden, this for being has with us been
4: today. One of the best times. In recent memory.
1: Best of success with season three of Jan. Jan, everyone watch that throughout the world.
4: September 27th, 8 p.m. Eastern on CTV.
3: Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. If you enjoyed today's show, be sure to check out our inaugural episode with Rick Mercer, where he talks about Jan Arden. Available in the archives wherever you get your podcasts. The Canadian Star System is produced by Diana Francis and Steve Patterson in association with the Apostrophe Podcast Network. If you'd like more information on today's guests, please visit our website at canadianstarsystem.ca where you can find links to their work and their socials. Speaking of socials, you can follow at Canadian Star Pod and at Apostrophe Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Our editor and sound technician is Donovan Deschner of Fracture of Femur Productions, Music by Mark Camilleri of Imagine Sound Studios. Special thanks to Terry O'Reilly, Debbie O'Reilly, Callie O'Reilly, and Nancy Patterson, who is an honorary O'Reilly. And since you're doing such a good job of listening to the credits, there's a bonus clip for you after Steve sings
1: it out. So give it up these good because I self-promotion sucks, and if they The Canadian Star System. We just lose Rose? My God, I said something and we lost her. Oh my God. She literally is a ghost. And you you called her out for being a ghost. She's ghosting me about her being a ghost. This is very meta. You know, it's
4: so weird because I tried to hug her once and I just kind of went right through her.
3: Planning for your next trip?